thank you seriously to everyone, I can't name everyone, but for just letting me be a mom and to experience the warmth and the vibrancy of this beautiful church family from an entirely new perspective. It was something that I needed, which is quite poignant because we are to verse two in Psalm 23. It's just a six verse chapter, six verse Psalm. And in verse two, it says, he, our good shepherd, makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And then in verse three, it goes on to say, he refreshes my soul. Let me tell you, I needed those green pastures and quiet waters while on maternity leave. So why don't we just pray for a moment before we jump into this? If you could just bow your heads and close your eyes. God, show me this picture as we were standing there in worship. And as I picked up the microphone, I was reminded that I'm holding the hand of the good shepherd as he stood there next to me. And I'm just the sheep that was handed a microphone today, okay? I'm a sheep just like y'all. But Jesus told me to tell you, could you tell them that I love them? Could you tell them that I see them? Tell them that I know them and tell them that they're safe here. I don't know who needed to hear that today, but God, we just thank you so much for letting us into your house this morning where we can gather before you, we can worship you, we can learn more about you. Thank you for the safety that we can find in this place. Thank you for the wholeness and the healing we can find in this place. Thank you for the rest and the refreshing that all of our souls are going to receive today. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, would you claim it with an amen? Amen. Well, like I mentioned, I came to this place last year where I needed some green pastures, and I needed some quiet waters. And I'll tell you more about why in two weeks when we get to verse 4. Because in verse 4, it talks about going through a dark valley. But for now, just know that my mind, my body, my soul, and my spirit needed this type of rest. And the good shepherd knew this. And the good shepherd always knows what we need, when we need it, and where to find it. But just like Kaylin mentioned last week, there's a difference between shepherds and cowboys. Now, cowboys, they drive a herd of cattle from the back, pushing the cattle where they want them to go. But biblical shepherds, they would lead from the front. They would walk ahead of their sheep, showing them where to go and then allowing the sheep to follow. The good shepherd, he can show us where to find rest, but it's up to us to enter into that space. You need to know that this morning. He can show you where to find rest, but it's up to you to actually enter into that space. When I scanned a number of translations for Psalm 23, verse 2, there was a range of he makes me, he causes me to lie down in green pastures, but there was also he gives me, he offers me, and he lets me. Why is this worth mentioning? Well, I believe we live in a society of hyperspeed, of instant gratification, of overstimulation, of ever-connectedness and overproductivity. And if we run at that hyperspeed, if we run at that speed believing that we don't need rest, that we don't need a Sabbath, that we don't need a break, blah, 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 then yeah, might, we might get to a point where we are made to rest. However, we don't need to allow ourselves to get to that point of sheer exhaustion that is burnout. Because every day, every week, every month, God, your good shepherd, is trying to give you moments of peace. He is trying to offer you moments of rest. He is trying to let you take moments to pause. But if you don't enter in to where he is leading you, then chances are you will reach a point where you are made to. You know, when I was a kid, Every summer, I went to this church camp called Dwight Mission in Sequoia County of Oklahoma. That's where I'm from, y'all. 
And I loved driving into this church camp every summer because it was a sleepaway camp where we would go for a week. It was for ages like seven or eight all the way up through high school. And once you're in high school, you could go for two weeks over the summer training to become a leader. And I love when I would drive into this camp and I see these luscious green fields where we're all going to play all these games. You drive around, you see the open chapel where we would gather to sing songs and to pray and to learn about Jesus. You see the dining room where they had delicious food all the time. You drive around and you see the girls dorm and the boys dorm and then a road that leads down to the creek where you can go canoeing. You see the basement that has an art studio where you're going to do some tie-dye projects because you're at camp, right? And I loved going to this place. It was my favorite place to go every single summer, especially after a long year at school because every time I came away from Dwight Mission, my soul would feel refreshed and my spirit would be at rest. And why was that? Well, I think there's a number of factors at play, similar to what I see in modern-day youth camps and even in young adult retreats. You see, youth camps today can be some of the most powerful and pivotal moments in a young person's life. And I know this because before we planted this campus, Frosty and I, we led the National Elam Youth Camps, uh, encounter camp that so many of our teenagers know and love. We used to get to lead that camp, and we would see teenagers' lives dramatically changed in the span of just a weekend. We would see teenagers arrive one way and then leave completely different. They would walk away from encounter camp feeling so refreshed and so rested. And you might be saying, well, Darcy, my teenager's always so tired when they get back. Yeah, physically. But I bet you that spiritually they've never been more alive and more at rest than they have walking away from that camp. Because just like me at Dwight Mission, they left with their soul refreshed and their spirit at rest. Because rest does not always equal sleep. This is where we can get rest wrong. Because we think, oh, I'm so tired, I just need a nap. Yeah, okay, we all need some naps, especially all the parents in the room. I feel you. Sometimes we need a good nap, but other times you need a different form of rest for your soul to feel refreshed. I read this interesting article by a woman named Sandra Dalton-Smith, who is a physician and a researcher, and she said rest should equal restoration in seven key areas of your life. Seven key areas. So I think we should talk about those areas today if we want to know what it means to have our soul refreshed. If you're taking notes, write these down because I believe this message can help you, not just inspire you, but practically help you if you actually take notes and make notes for yourself, okay? So the first thing that we need to talk about is physical rest. It could be passive or active. Passive physical rest is sleeping, taking a nap. We all need that, okay? Don't ignore it. And this is what we commonly think of when it comes to rest, but there's also active physical rest. Sometimes people just need to go for a walk with no destination in mind, no distractions, and that will bring them a sense of rest. Sometimes people need a good massage, right? That is active physical rest. But secondly, there's also mental rest. We need mental rest. Now, does anybody have a computer where you've got like a million tabs open at the top? I know there's some of y'all, okay? There's a million tabs open at the top. Mine too, because over here you're like got the online grocery order that you need to finish, but you haven't added everything to the cart yet. And then here you're waiting for a sale to go on the kids' clothes. Here you need to schedule the kids' doctor's appointments. Here you need a book, register yourself to vote again. Here you need to go back to that article you were reading before the kids interrupted you. Here you need to finish that email. I've got a million tabs open in my brain. It is exhausting to have that mental load open, right? And then you have more kids and they just add more tabs. So you just, you just got it all going on. And so we need mental rest where we can lay some of those things down. So one thing that actually helps me with mental rest is at night when I lay down in bed, I have to swipe 
everything closed on my phone. And Frosty has made fun of me for this before because he says, you're just going to open it all again the next day. And I said, true, but I need to physically swipe it to close it and then turn my phone over so it doesn't keep pinging every time my American family texts me at odd hours of the night because they're awake and I'm not. I have to turn that over so my brain can actually find some rest. Another thing that helps us find mental rest is making lists. Because the act of taking something from here and putting it down on paper allows you to go, okay, I doesn't need to take up some mental space anymore because I've thought about it. It's on this list. I'll get to it when I've got time. We need mental rest. We also need sensory rest. Our world is filled with all these notifications, with bright lights, with so many screens and so much background noise. And sensory overload leads to the feeling of being overwhelmed. Because who else, <laughs> when you're parking the car, in the city, oh, I hate trying to find a parking spot in the city. Is anybody else? That's, that's when we get into disagreements um, and when we're trying to find a parking spot in the city. But if I'm driving and I have to parallel park y'all, oh, stressful, right? Because there's people behind you watching you, judging you on how long you're taking to park your car. But then I, as I'm parking the car, I literally, I have to turn off the music. I have to tell everybody in the car to shut up because I'm trying to focus in parking the car. There's sensory overload going on, right? Is that just me? That's okay. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not alone. But I can't focus when there's so much going on. Even these past few days, how ironic that this was a week when I'm preaching about rest, about green pastures and quiet waters, and we are literally living in a house right now that sounds like a jet engine. Why? Because there was a leak this week that soaked a third of our floorboards, and there's six fans and a dehumidifier just, it is the most overstimulating thing. And I'm like, okay, I see you. I'm preaching on rest. I got to get out of this house, though. Sensory overload going on. We need sensory rest. And so it's good for us to intentionally unplug at certain times of the day, put the phone away, turn off the background noise and allow your senses to settle. Sandra Dalton Smith said the intentional moments of sensory deprivation can begin to undo the damage inflicted by the overstimulating world. Something as simple as closing your eyes for a minute or two in the middle of the day could actually bring you some sensory rest. But number four, we need creative rest. When I was telling a friend about this message, she was like, I'm not creative. I don't need that. I'm like, well, first of all, there's two ways that you can get creative rest. Number one, get into God's creation. He's the creator. We actually need to be in nature sometimes to find this rest where we have this sense of awe and wonder awakened inside of us. So get into God's creation. But also if you are creative, sometimes you need a creative night. Actually, Indian LJ came to our house one time with a craft project and I was like, this is what I needed, some creative rest for my soul to get my hands messy with some art or to listen to some inspiring music. We all need some creative rest. Number five, we need emotional rest. When you need emotional rest, you often start to feel like the people in your life don't appreciate you. You start to feel like people are taking advantage of you. Maybe you're a chronic people pleaser. We need emotional rest in the sense that comes from drawing some clear boundaries in our life. If you don't know how to draw boundaries, great book. It's called Boundaries, creative name, by Dr. Henry Cloud and John Townsend. Great book. But you need to draw some boundaries in your life to find that emotional rest. But secondly, you need to find a safe person that you can authentically express what's going on in your world, about how you're really feeling. In fact, as I was preparing this message, I got a call from a friend this week who was driving through my neighborhood, 
And she told me about a few things that had just rocked her world this week. It was overwhelming. It was emotional. I could hear that she was in verge of tears on the phone. I said, hey, you're in the neighborhood. Why don't you come over for a cup of tea? I'll put the kettle on and you tell me what's going on. So she came over. She sat on my couch. We had a cup of tea. She said, sorry, I didn't mean to just verbal vomit. I was like, that's what you needed. And she goes, oh, I just feel so much better now that I've talked to somebody about this. If you've got a lot going on, sometimes you just need to text a friend and say, hey, could I come over for a cup of tea? I just need to talk to somebody safe about what's going on and let you know how I'm feeling. Maybe you need emotional rest. Number six, maybe you need social rest. This is all about the people that you spend time with. Now, let's be real. There are some relationships in your life where you walk away after an interaction with them and you just feel like fuller. You stand taller. You feel like they filled your tank, like they encouraged you and you can go conquer the next mountain. Those people are tank fillers. But on the other hand, there's also some relationships in our world where you walk away from an interaction and you go, man, I just feel even more tired. I just feel even more drained. My soul is more at unrest and it doesn't have peace than when I actually hang out, hung out with that person. You need to be wise about who you surround yourself with, especially when you're tired. Be aware of how other people's perceptions of people, of work, their perceptions of God and of church, their perceptions of society, the economy, the political landscape, their perception of kids and parenting and marriage. Be aware how other people's perceptions will affect you and influence you the more you hang out with those people. You know, we have to be wise about who we hang out with because they will either lift us or they will pull us down. And when you're in a muddy season of life, when you're feeling tired, I don't know about you, but with me, if I'm walking through a muddy season, I don't want somebody to come set up camp in the mud with me and just say, yeah, this sucks and keep complaining. You hang around complainers, you're just gonna find yourself complaining. But I need people that will come alongside me and say, yeah, this muddy season sucks. But I'm going to grab your hand and we're going to walk forward together. I'm going to lift your gaze so you can see that mountain. We're going up that mountain to get a better perspective, a better view on life. So let's go together. Be conscious of who it is in your world that is influencing you and how you feel in terms of social rest. And then finally, most importantly, we need spiritual rest. And to gain spiritual rest, we have to engage with something far greater than ourselves. We have to engage with God himself. We have to talk to the good shepherd through prayer. We have to get into godly community that points us to the good shepherd when we're feeling lost. When we start to turn away, we need to be around people that will point us back and say, hey, let's go back that way. That's where the good shepherd is leading us. We all need some spiritual rest. And we have to enter into those green pastures and the quiet waters that only the shepherd can provide. Knowing that we need restoration in seven key areas of our lives, let's now circle back to those youth camp experiences. Why are they so powerful? Well, if you think about it, they bring sensory rest from all the social media and the notifications that are usually lighting up their world, all the screens are taken away. They bring mental rest from the exams that they've been studying for. They bring social rest from toxic friendships at school perhaps. And now all of a sudden they're in an environment surrounded by Christians that are all pointing them to Jesus, singing spiritual songs that are lifting their gaze and helping them focus on something much bigger than themselves. They bring creative rest by getting them more present in creation 
and singing those songs of worship, they bring spiritual rest by connecting them with a God who is far greater than whatever it is that they're facing in life. And you know what? Rested teenagers hear God more clearly. Rested young adults hear God more clearly. Rested adults hear God more clearly. And rested kids will hear God more clearly. So how do we have those camp-like moments every week? Not just once a year and not just when we were teenagers and we first fell in love with Jesus. What's well, all about the Sabbath rhythms, y'all. But what stops us from having those Sabbath rhythms in our life? Dangerous waters. You see, verse 2 says, He will lead me and make me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Why was it important for the sheep to be led to quiet waters. There's two things I want to highlight here. And first of all, running water is dangerous for sheep because sheep have a thick coat of wool. And if that thick coat of wool gets soaked with some water, it's literally going to drown them. They're not strong enough to stand in running waters. Running waters are dangerous waters because they represent the dangerous waters of an ever-changing culture that we are surrounded by, that we get so easily swept up in if we're not careful because we're also not as strong as we think we are. The currents of culture, they can be so powerful and influential over weak sheep. It's too easy to get swept up in the whirlpools of whim, the floods of fancy, the tides of tolerance. They're all dangerous waters for us sheep. We can so easily get swept up in the social media scroll the comment section, the gossipy group chat, the toxic relationship or friendship, and dangerous waters will never bring peace to your soul. They're never going to leave you feeling more refreshed and rested. It's dangerous waters for our soul. In fact, what happens is when we find ourselves in dangerous waters getting swept up in this way, it's dragging us away from our shepherd. It's causing us to almost doggy paddle to try to keep our head above water looking for safe ground to land on. We're not going to find peace there. That is why our shepherd leads us to quiet, still waters. Waters that can only be found in the safety and the steadiness of God's word. He wants to keep us safe and grounded. He wants to give our souls peace. And I think it's quite poetic that in other parts of Scripture, Jesus describes himself as the living water that we all need, the living water that can satisfy us. So we could either stand in the ever-changing waters of culture that bring us turmoil to our spirits, or we could choose to drink from the well of living water, the water that is never-changing the water that is steadfast, the water that is sure, the water that will bring us peace. You know, part of my dark valley that I'll tell you more about in two weeks when we get to verse four is that I battled antenatal depression and anxiety in the first trimester, probably the first half of my pregnancy with Oakley. And while I was walking through that dark valley, social media was dangerous water for my soul. It was dangerous water because I was getting swept up in what was really painted as unrealistic standards for moms with young kids, unrealistic standards for how clean your house should look, unrealistic standards for what nutritious meal your kids need every single moment of every single day. It was all dangerous water for my soul where I was feeling like I couldn't keep up, I couldn't do enough. 
And so I had to allow Jesus to lead me to green pastures and quiet waters before I could re-engage with it again in a healthy way. In fact, some of y'all saw me disappear kind of off Instagram and Facebook last year, and you're like, where are you? I'm like, I'm here. I'm just not in the dangerous waters right now, okay? We need to be aware of when we are in dangerous waters for our soul. You know, Kaylin also mentioned last week that sheep are so dumb that they'll literally settle for filthy, stagnant water right in front of them because it looks still, it looks peaceful, and they'll drink that instead of just walking 20 meters ahead of them to the clean, pure water that the good shepherd is trying to show them, right? Because dangerous waters aren't just the running rapids. Dangerous waters are also the deceptive waters, the kind that look peaceful on first glance. It may look peaceful, but is it pure? Is it pure? You see, you might have those friends in your world that look peaceful, they claim peace, but are they pure? Are they actually good for you? Or have you settled for something that's just conveniently in front of you? Let me blank this even more plain. If you are settling for some new age spiritualism, instead of going after the Holy Spirit himself, then you are settling for impure waters that will bring you harm. Because no crystal rock, no dream catcher, no other little G God, no incense, no idol is ever going to bring you the refreshed, refreshment and the rest that your soul craves. In fact, it will harm you if you give it access to your life. Because the devil, he could be loud in the rapids. And that's often when we see him. We're like, okay, I see what the enemy is doing there. But the enemy also loves to be quietly deceptive in the convenient filth that you've just given access into your world. Keys can come join me now. Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse 28, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I, I will give you rest. Jesus is our living water. Jesus is our place of rest, and we can find all that our soul needs to be refreshed if we actually just go where he's guiding us, if we actually just trust and follow him every day of our lives. Last weekend, Frosty and I, we went on a family holiday uh, to Rotorua, and it was so much fun, but on the way there, we got detoured. It took a little bit longer. We went on the scenic route. But I was so glad we got detoured because we went down this back road of New Zealand that we had never been on before. And both of us, we were looking out the window just in awe and in wonder of these luscious, green, rolling hills of New Zealand. You know when the landscape looks so good that you just want to get an ice cream scoop and do you know what I mean? Or when you're in the airplane and you see those fluffy clouds, you're like, I just want to eat that candy floss, right? That's how I felt when we were driving through New Zealand. It just, it just looked so good. I wanted to touch it. And as we were driving through I was thinking about Psalm 23 and these green pastures and quiet waters. And I was like, man, it's such a shame that when David wrote this, he didn't even know about New Zealand. He didn't know how good our green pastures are here. Y'all, we live in a beautiful country. So beautiful. And it's easy for us in a beautiful country surrounded by green pastures to think that they're ever present, that they're super abundant, that they're everywhere and they're easy to find. But when David wrote this psalm, he didn't know about New Zealand. He knew of the semi-arid landscape in ancient Israel and Palestine where grazing lands were not so abundant. In fact, flocks of sheep would often have to travel through this dry, difficult terrain, through rugged regions 
amidst danger from predators on their way to looking for these green pastures. But the shepherd would never leave them to fend for themselves. The shepherd would go before them and his rod and his staff would comfort them and protect them from any danger. And then once they reached the quiet, still waters, it would be a place for the sheep to not only drink and be satisfied after a long journey, it was a place for the sheep to be washed and made clean. It'd be a place for the sheep to, be, to mend any wounds that they might have gotten on the way there. Jesus is our living water. He's the only one that can satisfy us, the only one that can make us clean and make us pure. He is the only one who can heal us from our pain if we let him. So Darcy, how, how do I let him lead me to what I need? It's in the Sabbath rhythms. I love what Rick Warren once said about Sabbath. He said, we need to divert daily. That means every day do something that relaxes you. We need to withdraw weekly, actually practice a Sabbath day. And we need to abandon annually where we can fully disconnect. A Sabbath rhythm is not about going to church once a week, ticking a box to say you did it. Like, that's good. You should keep coming to church. We want to see you. And godly community can actually bring you spiritual rest. But you need more than just church on a Sunday to feel rested. A rhythm of rest is something that we have to practice daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly. In the same way we need physical rest like sleep, we also have to read our gauges to see where else in our life, maybe one of the other six key areas where maybe we have a rest deficit. And then we need to be intentional. Be intentional, y'all, about factoring in what we need based on where God will lead. Let me say it again. You need to be intentional about factoring in what you need based on where God will lead. So I wanna leave you guys today with three questions. Three questions I want you to write down and I want you to seriously think about these questions for yourself, for your marriage, for your family. In fact, if you do have a family or a spouse, talk about these questions with them so that you can practice finding rest together. Okay, the first question is this, when is your Sabbath? When is your Sabbath? What day of the week can you be intentional about letting the shepherd lead you to some green pastures and quiet waters? Maybe it's a Sunday, but for people like me and Frosty, it can't really be a Sunday because we're pouring out, pouring out on a Sunday. So we need to practice it on a different day. And here, here's the thing. We don't have to be religious and I'll do it on the same day, okay? What matters is that you pick a day that works for you and your family where you can intentionally withdraw for that week. Practice that Sabbath day. And say you come to a week where something gets scheduled on your usual Sabbath day. Okay, it's all right. Move the Sabbath day that week to another day. We don't have to be religious about it. Because what matters is God just wants our time and attention at least once a week where we can pull away. So make sure you talk about that every single week. Hey, when is our Sabbath day? This week. Secondly, what and who should your Sabbath include? What and who should your Sabbath include? In other words, where is your rest deficit? In those seven key areas, what do you really need this week? It might look different week to week, but what do you really need this week to bring that rest up so there's not such a deficit there? What will fill your tank and bring you more joy, bring you more peace, and what will drain it? Also, who will fill your tank and who will drain it? 
Guess what? If somebody reaches out to you and they want to hang out with you on the day that you're practicing a Sabbath and you know you're going to walk away feeling drained, you can just say, hey, I can't that day. I'm busy with my family. How about the next day? That's okay, okay? What and who should your Sabbath include? And then finally, what are the dangerous waters you need to avoid? What are the dangerous waters you need to avoid? What have you allowed yourself to get caught up in that is bringing unrest to your soul? What makes you feel like you're drowning? Identify it and then take some active steps to actually get out of the dangerous water so that you can pursue the quiet living water that will refresh you. You know, I can't wait to unpack more of this Psalm in two weeks when we get to verse four. But for now, I just wanna finish with a scripture. This is God's promise of restoration to his people. In fact, let me give you some sensory rest while I read it to you. Why don't you close your eyes? Block out the lights. Block out everybody else around you. And just hear these words in Isaiah 49, verse eight to 10. This is what the Lord says. In the time of my favor, I will answer you. And in the day of salvation, I will help you. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people, to restore the land and to reassign its desolate inheritances, to say to the captives, come out, and to those in darkness, be free. They will feed beside the roads and find pasture on every barren hill. They will neither hunger nor thirst, nor will the desert heat or the sun beat down on them. He who has compassion on them will guide them and lead them beside springs of water. Let me read you that last part one more time. But I'm going to replace they with you because the good shepherd, he's personal. He's not just caring for the flock, but he is caring for the individual. You will feed beside the roads and find pasture on every barren hill. You will neither hunger nor thirst, nor will the desert heat or the sun beat down on you. He who has compassion on you will guide you and lead you beside springs of living water. Church, I just pray for you right now in this moment. God, I pray that, e- that you would help every single person here, every individual, every couple, every family. Lord, would you help them rediscover their Sabbath rhythms? Would you help them discover where maybe they have a rest deficit in their world and help them identify that and take some active steps to get out of the dangerous water that they've been swimming in and help them, Lord, find that quiet water that you provide for us. Lead them to green pastures, Lord. God, I pray that this week, we would feel more rested this week than any other week this year. And I pray that we would know and understand that you are the one that we can trust. We can trust your guidance. We can trust your leading. We can trust that you know what's best for us. So God, would you speak to every single heart today? And would you refresh their soul this week?